for any human being, but I think particularly for any mum, you cannot expect to get from A to Z and not have to change the trajectory of your journey to mirror what's going on in your life. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Mother Mask. I'm your host, Annie Breen, registered nutritional therapist, master NLP practitioner, and transformational coach for exhausted mums who don't feel enough. My mission with this podcast is to lead with vulnerability by starting to lift the psychological mask you wear each day that protects you and others from the stuff that's hard to explain and talk about. It's about sharing from the middle, not just the open wounds or the healed scabs, but the messy middle. Let's go for honesty over perfection. Because I believe when you transform yourself, you automatically transform your relationships and parenting by passing down wisdom, not wounds. So if you're up for that, you definitely don't need to do it alone. I'm here to lead you on what could be the greatest adventure of your life, behind the mother mask, back home to yourself. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Mother Mask. I have a treat for you this week. I have a guest. Interestingly, she was the first guest on my first podcast three years ago. So I am really excited to welcome back Joe Gamble. Joe was my lecturer back in 2012 at the College of Naturopathic Medicine, and she's pretty much been in my life ever since. She has helped me massively with my health, my family's health, and she is also my mentor. And yes, she is a very successful functional medicine practitioner, nutritional therapist, and she has a fellowship in integrative oncology. But this conversation is much more about who she is than what she does. And Jo has two girls and she challenges you to have a bigger age gap as she does. So one of her children is 19 and the other one is seven months. So that's an 18 year and nine month, don't quote my math, age gap. And do you know what is really amazing about our conversation is that Jo's really able to talk about her motherhood journey from this kind of full cycle approach of having an adult who's gone off to uni and having a young baby and how her experiences of motherhood the first time around and having a young child that was diagnosed with multiple autoimmune conditions and how she had to really harness her type A personality and perfectionism to help her. And actually that set her on the path to the work that she now does. But on the inside, she admits she felt like she was failing compared to now full circle where she approaches motherhood from a very different energy, from a very different state, a very different identity place, much more appreciating every moment, feeling more relaxed and really being more present. So it's really amazing to hear her story, her journey, and how she's been able to almost shift her trajectory of motherhood. Jo is very open and honest. We do talk about some of the challenges 
things in her life that has made her who she is today, including the suicide of her father, um, the fact that she works with terminal clients and how much she learns from them. And they have really helped and contributed to her amazing positive outlook. And also going through a divorce and realizing how important her happiness is and being true to herself. So there really is a lot that we cover. It's an incredibly insightful conversation. And Joe shares tips and resources that can really help you transform struggles into purpose, which I would really say is the theme of this conversation. So without further ado, and fear of it turning into a solo, <laughs> you know I love to talk. Let's get into episode three. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Annie. How are you? I'm not too bad, although I did do a weights class for the first time in four weeks last night. So I'm glad I'm sitting down. (laughs) You've got some doms going on this morning. I really have. Um, I was just going to say to you before, actually, that um, it's quite freaky, but I had, you know how you have those Google memories of like photos. It was actually three years ago. We were supposed to speak last week, but it was three years ago we did the BU Mum podcast interview. goodness oh my goodness how much time has flown by since then I know I know amazing isn't it so thank you and it looks like you are going to be my first guest again on my new podcast so I really wanted to speak to you because you have been pivotal in my life and my health and you were my lecturer at college back in um gosh 2012 in Birmingham And then we've pretty much stayed in touch since, haven't we? And you've mentored me and helped me personally and are currently helping me personally, which I'm going to share in another podcast. Um, But what I really wanted to speak to you about, the podcast is called Behind the Mother Mask. And it's funny how our kind of journeys evolve. But where I'm at now is... I've been working with energy for some time and helping mums restore their energy. And as I kind of delved into that, but also did my own personal work, I saw a lot of this is from a lot of our energy goes on what we suppress, what we don't talk about, the kind of invisible mother load, the stuff that we're constantly thinking about that's looping around our mind. And I'm really passionate about almost inspiring mums to be more open, be more honest over perfection. And your story to me is inspiring because it's really a good example of how someone has taken a struggle and transformed it into strength. And I wondered whether you'd be happy just to maybe share some of your journey to what you do today and maybe what some of the challenges you've come up against in the past that you've Mm -hmm. really been able to kind of harness and transform into a strength. Yeah, absolutely. And I think my journey has evolved so much in the last three years since we spoke. So I'll start off with I'm a mum to two to two girls. Um, My oldest daughter is 19 and away at university. And when she was 19 months old, she was diagnosed with uh, juvenile arthritis, which is an autoimmune disease. Whilst arthritis is something that back then I associated with old people in children, actually, statistically, it can affect about one in just under a thousand uh, youngsters, more girls than boys. Um, But it was something I'd never, ever heard of, Annie. I was quite a young mum at the time. I was 22 when I had my 
my eldest daughter. And um, on lots of levels, it was a real struggle to be diagnosed with what actually has turned out to be a likely lifelong uh, illness for her. There is a possibility that you can grow out of autoimmunity, but sadly for Georgia, that doesn't look, um, she's been told matter-of-factly by her consultant, don't keep pampering after that, you've got it for the rest of your life, kid, I think was was how it came out. Um, But back in that early days, that was was really hard for me. I, I am a bit of a type A personality. I've got perfectionist, like, strategies in me um I'm not going to say that's all bad Annie that's made me successful that person that I am today but but actually back then in those early days I wanted to use that perfectionist to to save my daughter and there's been strengths and weaknesses of that behavior in that um the strengths are it's made me a very determined individual and actually that's why I'm a functional medicine practitioner today because of her health journey The weaknesses are you can't be perfect when it comes to working with your child's health. So actually, that sort of set me up for almost my own failure in that journey. And that was something that I've had to do a lot of work on over the years, a lot of therapy, a lot of um, really getting into myself about what that represented and how I felt as though I failed Georgia. And actually, now I know I never failed Georgia. Um, I'm so proud of who she is and what she's become because of that journey. But it is that like listening to what you say about that mask on and 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 this like desire to be perfect in everything that we did. And and at a very young age, I, I found out that I thought that I wasn't doing a perfect job because my daughter was diagnosed with an illness. I mean, that kind of I feel that in my body because I obviously see that as being the opposite because mm-hmm. you responded to that with so much passion and drive yep. and tenacity but it goes to show that what we see on the outside is yep. not always the full story and I think that's that's it isn't it to feel how many mums say they feel like a failure yeah yeah and and you're right Annie you know I, that did it did come out as a strength in the long term but when you're in you're in a battle whatever that battle might be then it doesn't, it it feels as though you are failing. And like I said, I've done quite a lot of sort of therapy, psychotherapy, life coaching to really sort of help me and help my journey and how I've reflected to her and her journey as a mom. Um, like I said, she's 19 now. She's away at university. I couldn't be more proud of the person that she has become. Um, my passion in using food to support her using functional medicine. I love it when she's sending me food photos that she's cooking in halls of residence. Proud. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. I'm like, right, done that one. Done a good job there. Well, you know, the other day, you know, you've recommended I take some herbs. Yeah. Actually, I'm on day 25 of my cycle, Joe, and I wouldn't normally book anything in on this week. And obviously things are working well because I have. But Bonnie is the same. She's like, have you taken your herbs? (laughs) (laughs) So already she's learning what mummy needs to mummy to do a good job. But we feel like we have to almost protect them from our deficiencies, don't we? We feel like we have to hide our perceived failings to look like to not look like a bad mum or like we don't know what we're doing we feel like we almost need to know it all yeah and from what I hear from you you almost the path unfolded as you went on this journey and it is it's a linear journey that nobody and there's you know there's some ups and there's some downs and there's some ups and downs in that journey 
And, and it's never going to be for, for any mum, for any human being, but I think particularly for any mum, you cannot expect to get from A to Z and not have to change the trajectory of your journey to mirror what's going on in your life. You know, I'm going to go full circle. So after 18 years of having a child, I thought that was my parenting journey over. And I now am a mommy to a seven month old baby (laughs) girl. So I challenge any of your listeners to have a bigger age gap than I've got between my two. So 18 years and nine months between the two of them. I dropped one off at university on the Saturday and the second one arrived on the Wednesday. So three days Ah. after, one moving out, one came in. So, you know, that concept of one in, one out, I really did have that one. But it's interesting, do you know what? My parenting journey of Bodhi, it's so much more relaxed. It's so much different because I've learned so much from my parenting journey of Georgia. And, And, you know, I welcome anybody to sort of reflect and go, Parenting is hard. It really is hard. But actually, parenting is one of the most amazing gifts that we can experience. And I always say I feel so blessed to be experiencing it second time round, sort of not thinking that would happen to me. Um, And then to to get that opportunity and give birth at 42. So I had my first at, sorry, 41. I had my first at 22 and my second at 41. So really different life experiences for them both. I mean, that is incredible. And when you say about it's important to reflect, what have been your biggest kind of take homes, whether it's been kind of greatest learnings or things that you're doing more of, things you're doing differently? Maybe it's more of an identity level, like the beliefs, the values that you hold, kind of what's changed over that? So now perfect isn't isn't what I need to be. I just need to enjoy the journey. And you know what I love? I'm the difference between my girls. So so now I've got a business and uh, there was a lot of people depending on me when I went on maternity leave. I, I had a short maternity leave. I was back at work within three months. Actually, I was back at work within four weeks um, doing some emergency work with my oncology clients. But, but within three months, I was back at work doing two days a week. Um, and I sort of thought, oh my goodness, it's going to take away from my time. And actually I love, I love, I love that there's variety in life, but you know what? I might work for a day. Uh, and then the next day, oh my goodness me, I'm back with her. And I just enjoy our time so much. So not so much more, but I just enjoy, I cherish every moment. Whereas I think so often we're like, oh, when they're, three months life will be better I'm sure you remember those first three months with Bonnie and then oh once they're crawling or once they're walking and people sort of almost wish for the next milestone whereas I look at every day as a blessing and just thrive on every day I totally agree I think that is driven by external narratives it's Mm. almost like your motherhood journey is mapped out by your maternity leave isn't it and going back to work and you've got this nine months or you know whatever and that is it that's the roadmap but actually like what you were talking about is your own personal experience your own meaning and motherhood yeah and what it means to you and yeah that that's inspiring and you know I even recognize it because when I met you in 2012 you were busy. You were seeing like you work, you specialize in cancer, you have a busy practice, you always have. And I think you were 
at the most seeing 15, 12 to 15 clients in a day. I know that was probably top end. And I remember you telling us that you were working with a life coach at a time and you were addressing emails like 10 at a time. And so yeah, I just, perfect. Yeah. I remember that. I like, wow, if I ever have that many emails, then I've obviously made it. But you sound so much more in flow, even yeah. though you've got more. Your family is bigger. I'm sure your business has grown massively. You know, you've got so many different people, your team. And so has what's been the kind of, I suppose, the bigger change in, in mindset, you said swapping perfection for being much more attached to that kind of present moment. What are there for people listening, the more practical tools, so the things that you've maybe bought in each day that help you keep in that kind of mindset and flow and not get kind of taken away by, by stressful events? Um, so several different things. And actually, I'm going to share a interview I did with a client. I don't know if you caught it, Annie, if you didn't. I Corey. Yes. So on Wednesday night, I interviewed one of my stage four cancer clients. Now he refers to himself as a cancer thriver. And oh my goodness me, was it a powerful interview. And I <clears throat> Normally I interview um, a member of my team and we talk sort of on a professional level. And I always ask my team members to give the listeners three take homes. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do the same with Corey. I'm going to ask him for three take homes. Now, take home number one was all about using food as a as a medicine. Well, I mean, he was being interviewed by a nutritional therapist and functional medicine practitioner. I think he thought he might have to put a food one in there. But two and three was all about, first of all, it was um you might have nine good things happen in a day and one bad thing. And actually we're instinctively driven to focus on the bad. And what he's saying is focus on the good. And that's what I do. You know, yesterday I, um, it was my day off. I had a me and Bodhi day and we went to baby century in the morning. We loved it. We came back, naps went a bit amiss. Did I focus on the fact that naps went amiss? No, we had to go out. I had to uh, get the car into the garage uh, we were over by the beach and I was like, right, what I want to go and do is go and sit on the beach and put us, our toes in the sand and just be. And that's exactly what we did. I was sitting there, got a coffee in my hand, bare feet on the beach, and I listened to a mum. Now, I sort of practice gentle parenting, Annie, as I think you do as well with Bonnie. Um, but I was listening to a mum. And first of all, I saw it as new noise pollution. And then I felt so, so sad. And she was a mum to a, about a three-year-old little girl. This little girl had an ice cream. And she'd put the ice cream on the wall to try and climb over the wall. And what three-year-old understands consequences? And the mum took the ice cream off her because it'd been on the wall. Now, I'm sure for our microbiome, a bit of, a bit of wall dirt wasn't going to kill her, was it? Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure she comes into contact with a lot more dirt. And the mum took the ice cream. So, of course, what did the girl do? She burst into tears. The mum was screaming at her to close her mouth. So she'd stop screaming. Of course, what happens? Mum screams, the girl cries louder. And the mum shouted at her, that's it. We're not having any outings for the rest of the week. You're embarrassing me. And I heard that, that sentence, you're embarrassing me at least four to five times. And I can hear, feel your reflection to me telling this story. And I sat there with my little girl. Um, we're about 100 metres away, but, but her voice was, was throughout. And I sat there and I kissed her cheek and I just said to her, we're never going to behave like that, Bodhi. And whatever happens, it's about us enjoying life. And actually, that should have been a lovely experience for her and her daughter. 
but she spoiled it because of her I don't know what her story was but something about her story spoiled that for them both and that to me that was my like that could have been a negative of my day and actually I turned it around and I just went no that's secured to me why my gentle parenting is the approach that I want to be able to take and I just I look at every experience in life and go what what do I want to make powerful from it and that's what Cora's interview of somebody with stage four cancer do you know he wasn't focusing on the interview about about his diet and he was focusing on taking his six-year-old to Disney World yeah he was focusing on climbing Snowdon and mountain biking and releasing a, a a charity single and actually if he can do that whilst interestingly or amazingly had chemotherapy pump attached to him through the interview then each and every one of us needs to focus on enjoying our living and not wait until something horrible happens to then focus on the living and I am blessed to have so many clients in my life that actually their stories guide my story and maybe that's why I'm so different now I love everything you just said, like it's emotional, but I feel it. And, you know, I see that situation with the mum that you described. I've seen it several times. I've seen a similar incident the other day in the park. I've also spoken to mums when they've come to me and heard the backstory. And I do think that there is this transgenerational kind of pattern of pain that children can almost trigger in us stuff that is unresolved or something that maybe happened to us at that age. And I think what's so hurtful is to see it and we can recognize it, but there's so many people out there who suffer in silence, who don't necessarily have the awareness or have access to the tools yeah. that will give them the awareness because they're repeating the normal, the normal pattern. And I was going to ask you, I mean, those free take homes are amazing. And I love that. I didn't get quite to the end, but I'm going to go back. And he, Corey just shines good energy. Like he's a bundle of life. Um, Why do you think mums do suffer in silence? Why do you think they don't speak up and ask for help? Because I think that we are not as a nation equipped with the skills to, to really work on our baggage Now, I'd like to think that this is going to change, Annie, in that certainly when I was at school, there wasn't emotional support available as a, you know, it wasn't something that was available through the school system. And actually, I lost my dad at the age of 11. I just started secondary school. And within three months of starting secondary school, my dad committed suicide. I was not given any emotional support to help my, me on that journey, none whatsoever. My parents were separated. My mum didn't love my dad. And therefore, I was not given any support to help me. Um, now, there are counsellors available through schools. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm sharing that bit of my personal journey to go. You, you're absolutely right. That lady probably had a backstory. I've also got a big backstory. You know, I just said I lost my father to suicide at the age of 11. Like, that's massive. But I've tried to use my inner strength, to use my baggage in a positive way and to work on it and to turn it around and make me the mummy that I am today. But I am an incredibly strong individual. I financially have had the resources to be able to pay for this privately. 
I have had the know-how to where to go to access these resources. And sadly, those three things are not available to everybody. So they might have a backstory, and yet they've been given no skills to be able to work with them. And like you said, then things in life trigger that backstory and boom, it all comes out. I remember, thank you for sharing that. I, I didn't know that. Our story is very similar because my mum lost her dad, my granddad, to suicide when she was 11 too, and she didn't have the support. Um, and I think it makes me just think about environment, mm. you know, and accountability. I battle with this quite a lot, you know, taking ownership and self-responsibility and living in the pain. Um, I think it's Brené Brown that said pain that is not transformed is transmitted. So it's being able to use pain as your greatest teacher and be brave enough to face the kind of ghosts in the walls. And I think for some people, it's too painful. Yeah. It's too painful, but they don't have the support. And I, I'm passionate about this, whether it's your actual biological family or it's an urban family to actually build networks you know the the, the grief that the tribe is not going to show up I think is a real thing so we almost have to when in our maybe darkest days low energy exhaustion when we're not feeling good still be able to find ways of communicating to build that network because it's funny, like for so long, I focused on self-care, 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 and it's so important, but I've grown to understand its connection with others yeah. because it's not just about us on our island, on ourselves. And when it comes to families, we need that connection, don't we? Yeah. I think that is where it's a community responsibility. It's a societal kind of responsibility because when you are feeling dark and in those early days especially you do need someone else to be accountable I moved away so there's not many people that know me so I didn't have people that go that's not Annie that's not her sparky self you know and I think a lot of us fall through the net because we don't have that kind of network that and can also we don't have this I mean there's there's going to be areas within the UK where there are communities but actually, that's really lacking in this country, isn't it? It's really lacking to have that, that whole community to support each other. And, and I think too many people are behind the closed front door and um, go outside with their face full of makeup and smile and go, my life is wonderful. And social media, sadly, drives that in that we take the perfect photo and it makes it look like we've got the perfect family and actually like I always say I, I try and live my life not through a computer a, a camera lens and yes don't get me wrong I take photos but my 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 view is not I'm not taking photos to post them on social media I'm taking photos for my memories and I'm not posting the perfect family on social media because that's not what there isn't one. it's all about yeah, I, I totally agree. And and hearing that story, I mean, it's huge. There's so many kind of um, chapters and elements to your story. And I relate to that. It's multifactorial. It's complex. Looking back, what are like three main resources? They could be a value, a belief system or, or an actual kind of practice that you have learned that's been the most valuable to you for getting you through that, but also thriving and being, you know, the person you are today and the mother 
Okay, so you mentioned Brené Brown. Now, I had the privilege, before Brené Brown got quite as big as she is today, I love Brené Brown. And before she got quite as big as she did today, she used to do courses. Um, So she'd take still like 100 people. So it wasn't a one-to-one, but I, I had the opportunity to do a couple of her courses with her. So she was the teacher of the courses. Um, and I I remember like they were pivotal in my life. And it probably yes. wasn't a too dissimilar time to when I met you, Annie, because I actually remember being in a hotel room at CNM in Manchester in the evening, listening to one. And I was co-teaching Birmingham and Manchester. And I remember like sitting there um, eating it with my Marks and Spencer salad in my little hotel room, listening to one of the, the modules of the Brené Brown course. So it was probably about that time. And do you know what? That was a massive part of my development in that I was doing therapy at the time. I was doing my work with Brené Brown. I was reading lots of books. Nowadays, I love Glennon Doyle. I love listening to her podcast. Like she does one with her partner, um, and I absolutely love that. And yeah, there is a Glenn Doyle and Brené Brown podcast. It's like, whoa, we've got two most amazing women in, in a room together. So it's like finding the people that inspire you. And whether that is reading a book, listening to a podcast, like I'm a big podcast listener. And actually, if you look at my podcast library, it isn't things like Uh, functional medicine it's all about personal development and they are mainly women Annie but the women that drive me forward and I absolutely like I'll walk around the streets with Bodhi asleep in the pushchair listening to a podcast and that to me is therapy and it's free of charge so people who can't afford private therapy go find your your women that lead you that's therapy in itself so that's my number one number two is be true to your own happiness and I um I left my marriage after 14 years because I realized that I wasn't happy and I was I didn't have a bad marriage. I didn't to the outside. It was absolutely acceptable marriage. But, you know, the biggest fault of my marriage, lack of communication. I always say we had the most undulating carpet or rug ever, because if in doubt, brush it under the carpet. Mm -hmm. And we lived with mountains under our carpet. We never screamed and shouted. We didn't argue. but We didn't communicate any. And that didn't. The person I was developing myself to be needed a communicator in their life and I didn't have I didn't have somebody I could communicate with I realized that I wasn't I, I wasn't living with my soulmate we were purely existing and I'm not asking all your listeners to go out there and get a divorce but I'm saying you need to be true to your happiness and if you're not happy then you need to go out there and you need to find it and I'm now happily married to somebody who I I interact with, I communicate with, I love, I I have my soulmate. And that wouldn't have been possible without walking out of a relationship that wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. And that's where I find so many people are just existing because do you know what? Oh, it's too expensive to, 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 to get separated. Oh, it's easier for the kids. It's, and actually, do you know what? You've got to be true to yourself. So that, that was my number two is, walking my talk and and making myself happy and then my number three is is not live every day as if it's your last but when you work with the amount of terminal patients that I work with and sadly some are younger than I am um it makes me 
it makes me realize that none of us know what's around the corner. And sadly, too many people wait, like I said, for that bad experience to go, now I'm going to live life like it's my last. I don't want to use the words live life like it's my last, but live life to the full. So I try to not put anything off to tomorrow that I could do today. So yesterday, I could have come home because really, after the car had been in the garage, it was about time to make Bodhi's dinner. So Actually, if I'm going to stick to my schedule that, you know, we kind of like as mums, you know, nap time this time, this time, this time, then feed at this time. And then then I should have come home. And actually what I did is I drove up the road, paid my one pound ninety for my car park, paid my three pound ten for my coffee. And that was the best therapy that I could have asked for. I sat on the beach for 45 minutes and I loved every minute. My phone didn't come out. It didn't matter what the time was. Once the noise pollution in the background had gone and I you know, felt sorry for the situation, so I felt sorry for the child, I just sat there with my little girl between my legs and I went, this is what living is all about. The magical moments are often the simple ones. The ones that cost nothing, Annie. I can't tell you how much joy I get from eating an M&S salad in a hotel room whilst on a personal development course or listening to a podcast like that's my life. Yeah. or eating a vegan magnum in the car <laughs> it's these little moments but it's, it's about it's also about sort of looking and reflecting on those and almost sort of pinching yourself and going this is this is my life and I'm and I'm doing good in my life yeah and, and not to undermine the small moments because they make up the big impact and what you were saying the communication thing is is huge um and I think the fact that you're modeling boundaries like children learn how to set boundaries from how we model them isn't it and the same with how we communicate and the more I'm learning is that be honest with your kids yeah an age appropriate mummy's feeling this name it you know that that actually this emotional kind of language I know you were a speech therapist weren't you before being able to put words to emotions to bring them to life and it's okay it's okay to feel that I'm learning this more and more and more I think we get so stuck in the big moments and the kind of tantrums when things are going wrong but actually it's the in-between yeah and I can now see that full cycle Annie because I've now got an adult as a daughter and and do you know what is I I have really um I've watched her develop and I've done exactly that I've I've just modeled I've worked with when she's had bad days pain ill health which we've had lots of them I've heard her but I've taught her not to become it don't become your diagnosis don't become your pain and and she has now developed that like thrive for life which is all I could have wished for if you ask me what one gift I wanted to give to her it would be to thrive in life and she's doing it but interestingly even though she's away at university we we speak I'd say we speak every day, but the day she's with a boyfriend, the boyfriend gets preferential treatment. (laughs) But we always text. Never a day goes by that we don't text. And most days we speak. Um, And the other day she was texting me. And um, I've just moved house. It's been quite stressful. We've been renovating a house. Um, Six-month-old baby, house renovations, running a business. Like you said, I've got a big team, um, have to manage. And she's texting me 
how are you doing, mom? How did Bodhi sleep last night? She's so lovely. She always asked me. And I replied about Bodhi's sleep. And I went back and asked her how she was doing. And then a bit later on, she said, how are you, mom? And I think I deflected this question again. And she said, no, mom, I'm asking you how you are. Will you tell me? And I said to her, I said, oh, darling, I said, I just don't want to keep saying to you because it has been, you know, you know what it's like when you're trying to do up a house. And and um, we'd got workmen, I think 20 workmen in on some days. And I said, well, I don't want to keep saying that it's a bit stressful. And she's like, it's okay, mom, you can say that. It's a tough time. And I just reflected and I went, A, why am I not saying my truth why am I why am I protecting my big girl from that and b oh my god am I proud of that girl because she could see she kind of learned so much about how I would have done that to her no tell me how you're feeling use your words and 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 now she she's mirrored it back to me and she was like mom you're not using your words yeah and it, it it's also owning the fact that you modeled that yeah and yeah, it's incredible. So I know we're a little bit um, towards the end and we were going to speak about long COVID, but maybe if you're happy, we could do that another time yeah. because this has been like invaluable. But I just, you kind of t- went there a little bit towards living each day, like to the full. And I haven't asked you this question, by the way. So um, <laughs> I'm just throwing it at you now, but this is quite an NLP type question. And it is, imagine if you were at the end of your life, looking back along your timeline, what are the main things that you would have wanted to be remembered by the legacy that you wanted to have left? What comes to mind? Okay, so I'm going to indirectly answer the question, then I'll directly answer it. So on my uh, side of my bed is a book that is, um, you may have heard of it. I've read it myself two or three times, The Regrets of the Dying. Yeah. Um, And I read it part because of my work that I do with terminal clients. And and I have to have those real life conversations with people about about death and about dying. And so I, I, I use that in part of my being equipped. And I read it, like I said, I think I've read it three times now and went, I don't, I don't want to write a book about my regrets of the dying. So now let's focus on the living. So I don't need to write a regret, a book of the regrets of the dying. So what legacy do I want to be left behind? Um, What do I want put on my stone when I go? I always say I want to make an impression on people's lives. Mm -hmm. And whether that is my children, Mm -hmm. my family, my friends, my clients, the people that I work with from a, you know, a, a, my team, people I've mentored, people I've taught, you know, I've had the joy of teaching hundreds of students over the years. And, and actually, I would like to be remembered as somebody that that actually made a difference, whatever level that was, Annie, whether it was I inspired you in a lecture, whether it was that I made a difference to Corey's life, whether it was that even though somebody died, I still made a difference when they were here. I want my girls to remember me as a mummy that that turned up in a present way. So I want my partner to remember me that I was there. And I just I just want to I want to not have a regret that I wasn't able to do those things. And the only way to do that is by living that every day because none of us know what's around the corner. So if we put off like I'm 42 now, what do I do? When I'm 50, I'm going to show up. I'm going to I'm going to show up. And it's like no, that's too late. Bodhi will be too far like misdevelopmental stages. 
Georgia's 19. So in eight years time, we'll have moved out of home and be living. No, I need to show up today, Annie. And so does everybody else. And whatever is stopping us showing up, that can't be worth it. It can't be worth it to inhibit the day-to-day living. I totally agree. And that is so inspiring. And you are living your legacy now. I think that is it. We don't need to wait and it be a distant memory on our tombstone. You are living it now. You are owning it now. And I feel excited. I always feel excited when I speak to you, but I feel excited about what you've got to come. The impact, the ripple effect of what you do um, is incredible. So where we've spoken, I love this, more about who you are than what you do. And I really love that because I'm sure you speak a lot about what you do. Yeah. But so people can find out more. Where can people find you? So um, I live behind the name Embracing Nutrition. I do try and embrace every part of living with my clients. Um, so if anybody wants to find me, embracingnutrition.co.uk or embracing nutrition on social media. And if you do nothing else, but go onto Instagram and find the interview with Corey Walker, yeah. then I absolutely, that would be worth 25 minutes of anybody's life to listen to that. Totally agree. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. And thank you for speaking to me. It's inspired me. You've raised my vibe. Well, thank you, Annie. That was worth doing, wasn't it? And be true to me and enjoy the rest of my day. And I hope you do too. I'm not focusing on the pain in my butt anymore. I'm like focusing <laughs> on what I can do to like. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. Lovely to speak to you, Annie. You take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow. That was awesome. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, your wisdom, your insight. I loved speaking with you and I hope you enjoyed our conversation as well. Talking about women who inspire us, Joe definitely inspires me. So please go and check her out she's on social media her website embracing nutrition and if you enjoyed this episode let me know what i would really love yes i i guess it's important to leave a review and all that jazz um that's how we get the podcast known so if you can take the time to do that i would be really grateful And I think that's the thing. I want to spread this message. I want to spread this insight, these stories, this honesty, because that's really how we foster connection, that we're not alone. It's how we learn and inspire and grow together. Um, So if you could share this with another mum, share it with your circle, your group of friends, um, that would be amazing. And yes, if you have time to leave a review, please do that too. It's how this podcast will get out there to the masses. So thank you very much. I will be back next week with another episode. Have a great week.